Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 16 of the Pull List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one and only Hector. Hey, how's it going, Hector? Not too shabby, my slightly bearded friend. Listen, uh, I, as we've been, we've we've missed an episode here, and that that's on that's on me, that's on Chris, and I think it's because my beard decided to simultaneously fall out all at the same time, or also known as a shaving accident. And so I shaved it all off and there were repercussions and I failed this city. And to all of our loyal listeners, I am most humbly sorry that a, I have to grow my beard back and b that we have missed a little bit of time with each and every one of you, but we've got a great show for you today and we're looking real forward to jumping back into things. So strap on in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. I shaved my beard off and my gallbladder exploded, so, you know, it's the lesson, the lesson today, kids, is don't shave your beards. Actually, that's a super good point. Uh, if you shave off your beards, incredibly bad things happen and the universe takes it out on you. But on today's episode, we're going to focus on all kinds of wonderful things that are going on because a ton of stuff has happened since we've been with you last. We're going to hit the latest news. Joker and Harley are coming this September to DC Black Label. Ooh, Tom King is cutting things a little short on his Batman run. And it appears that Warren Ellis is actually coming out of hiding long enough to finally finish his incredible run on trees. Those of you that are waiting for injection, well, you guys might have to keep waiting. But those of us that were looking for the end of trees, yay, our day is finally coming. Um, but Hector and I also going to go through some of our favorite polls from the last couple weeks. And then we're going to dive straight into a wonderful discussion about what things were like at Phoenix Fan Fusion. Uh, your humble uh, podcast co-host was in Phoenix for a Comic-Con along with the Love Thy Nerd team. So we want to tell you a little bit about what that experience is like. And then Hector, you had another one of your books come out. So we should probably talk a little bit about that as well. Surprise! So, surprise! Uh, once again, just a wonderful show for everybody. So how about we jump in? And see what's going on over on the Newswire a little bit. Some interesting things going on in comics, if I do say so myself. I think we talked about it right off the top, but Black Label, DC's Black Label, which is kind of their mature anything goes line, or at least anything goes unless it's Battlewang. Um, which, by the way, too, is I it too to, soon? It's not too soon, but I needed to come <laughs> back to that. Um, Kevin Smith basically predicted this uh, a decade ago with Cacophony. Oh, there's so Simpsons I, did it. Yeah, basically Simpsons did it. Um, <laughs> I I was uh I was rereading Cacophony, and um, there's a line, there's a panel, and it's the perfect panel that I failed to make a meme of with Black with a uh, Batman Damned is that uh the Joker says, by the way, I saw your Wang hanging out, and <laughs> like Batman changes clothes in in the Joker's hospital room. And the Joker makes that, and it's a panel, and I'm like, why did no one make a meme of this when we this need, went down? We need to pause the show right now, and you need to knock that one out so we don't lose any daylight on this. Hector, don't fail this city. <laughs> but yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, so DC Black Label, um, the glorious mature line at DC that did bring us uh, Batman Dam and a whole line of complicated discussions about why we got to see Little Bruce. Um, but the late... Well, that line's that's Batman Damn still hasn't ended. That's news in and of itself that supposedly that is going to finally end here in the next couple months. But coming this fall, 
is a title coming with Joker and Harley. And it sounds like it's going to be absolutely bonkers because it's going to be kind of a sounds like Harley is kind of deconstructing Joker in this mature universe. And I, I don't know what to think about it, but I'm excited because th- that book's going to be crazy. I don't well, think there's any other way. I, but with the whole black label thing, like, I don't know if DC is trying too hard. We're about to find if, out. <laughs> we're about to find out. Because, I mean, the fact that they retrofitted um, White Knight to be black label, even though White Knight is super tame and it could be Batman the Animated Series, um, you know, whatever. Go on. But <laughs> right nope uh so we certainly have that coming but talking about craziness occurring over at dc as well i think it it's been about a week and because we missed a show and again very sorry it's 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 my fault um but uh tom king uh has it's been announced that his batman run which he was originally targeting 100 issues possibly more it sounds like things have changed and they're now asking him to potentially cut out around issue 85 and that that's going to give way into a Catwoman slash Batman book somewhere in next year to kind of him finish telling his story. But I, I just wanted to get some of your thoughts on that because I, I'm still kind of surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised because the rumor is the underlying piece of this is that the last arc the nightmare arc which Hector and I have both commented on that there were some great moments and there were also some please please tell me when this is going to end the nightmare is real for the rest of us that because of the numbers on that DC's like cool we know you had a plan but money talks bro well the bottom line to me is and I knew that they weren't going to you know kill his story altogether but right. he's been yep. setting up a 105 issue story and bottom line everybody's not down for that kind of commitment um this is very similar to what we saw happen with uh Grant Morrison um Grant Morrison is the longest running Batman writer of my adult life um that I saw consistently write Batman cuz he started with the introduction of Damian Wayne. And um, he went on to do a lot of stuff through Batman Rest in Peace or Rotten Purgatory, depending on who you're asking. Um, and to do to he went from introducing Damian Wayne to killing Batman to having Dick Grayson become Batman to, you know, bringing Batman back to, you know, doing all these things with Batman Incorporated and setting up Batmans all across the world. He went all over these places and... He held on too long to a long game story and to the point where DC had to start breaking him off into other books so that casual fans could actually just enjoy reading Batman comics. Right. And I think that's where we're at is, you know, they believe in his story, but the casual fan is ready for something they don't have to have four years of backstory on. And, um, a bit, but it's been by, you know, two issues a month. So that's helped. But in the end, that's still a lot of content, and these everybody's not the fan that I am in regards to Tom's writing or his story setup. I he is a long game storyteller. I believe at the end of this Batman Catwoman book, it's all going to pay off. But no, I, I totally agree. Yeah, but I I think other people are just ready to be able to pick up an issue of Batman and move on with their life. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, at the end of the day. Batman punches people in the face. More punching of the face. 
Yeah. And if, if they weren't giving me this Batman Catwoman book to finish it, I'd be pretty salty as a human being for investing this much time into a story that's not going to be finished. But since they're letting it finish, fine. I, I can deal with that. That's something we can deal with. And I think that begins the speculation, obviously, of in about 20 issues or so, who becomes the new Bat Rider? And so... Uh, yeah, speculation begins. Well, speculation begins, but I I have more of a list of who I don't want than who I do want. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I think that's probably true. Who's topping your don't want list? Uh, Peter Tomasi. Ooh. Um, yeah. J- James Tinian. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's probably my list. <laughs> I mean, but, I'm probably gonna be the unpopular guy, but it, it's gonna come to no surprise to anyone that's been listening to us for a while. Of, I I really don't want Bendis to take over this book, but I have a real real bad feeling no. deep down inside that that no. could happen i don't want bendis so yeah see now you're being honest about it but well i so, didn't think i didn't even put him in my realm of possibilities i was thinking right. of people i had seen right batman that i didn't enjoy mm. um i don't want to read i have I, mm. there's nothing bendis has done that's like rocked my world um which by the way on another note it appears they ended Tom King's run on the Walmart book abruptly. On the um, Superman book. Oh, interesting. Like, unless I'm gravely mistaken, like, he didn't finish the story. Um, and they just changed writers. Okay, well, we are going to have to do some research on that because that is fascinating. I mean, it is definitely rumored and attached to him being pulled back a few issues on the Batman mainline that... That was not expected, um, yeah. and it was a rather sudden announcement, which means I'd have to imagine he probably didn't take it well. <laughs> um, so we may still be seeing some things working out there if I had to gamble and see where that was all going. But so things are changing uh, over at DC, but we're certainly going to get to that a little later because there, there's a lot going on in the DC universe. I mean, equally, there's a ton of stuff going on over at Marvel. It's just not in front of me for this week to talk about. But we know in the near future, for all of you that are sitting there going, Hector and Chris absolutely hate Marvel and the X-Men. Well, calm yourselves, because we know that the power of X and House of X is coming, and Hickman has done all kinds of wonderful things at convincing Marvel to literally hit the restart button on the X-Men line. And yes, you can write this down, date and time. Chris is actually excited for what Hickman is going to do with the X-Men. But until we see that... It's hard to say what's going on in the interim, but I'm very happy, very happy that Hickman convinced them to consolidate the line. And I actually have read more Marvel books, but I'll, I'll throw that in our, our pools. So keep going. Oh, heck yeah. And, and Daredevil is still great, but we'll definitely pull that up as well. I actually caught but, up on that. Excellent. Then we'll have a wonderful conversation. But um, over in the world of Image, uh, all of you that might be like me and enjoy a little Warren Ellis uh, shadow government crazy violence and other very strange things that Warren Ellis typically writes about, if you read the first two trades of Trees and went, where the heck is the end of this story? You're not alone. And good news, I don't know how many years later it is, but it's significant. Um, Trees, the third section of Trees is finally coming, and supposedly that story is going to wrap up. But for those of you that, like me, do enjoy Warren Ellis books, this is something that we're fairly used to. Usually the books begin, and they tend to eventually either just stop, or years later will actually be finished. But Trees is actually coming. It has a date for September, so I'm excited to finally finish that story. If you haven't read it, 
I'm not even really sure how to explain it other than to say that these very large items appear on Earth. They started calling them trees, but they're of alien nature. And it's this exploration into what they are, why are they here, and what happens when, you know, people do silly things and kind of go sideways when confusing non-Earth-based items are introduced into the world. And it's Warren Ellis, so tons of great government intrigue and paranoia and all that good stuff. So maybe, maybe I'm alone. Warren Ellis is a super fun read for me, but it's not for everybody. Do you ever read trees? Dude, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so, Chris Chris is on and, and his outside really of maybe weird... our own conversations, like I don't I don't think I've heard much about <laughs> it in the book world. But that doesn't mean much. Sometimes I straight miss things, but it's okay. It's okay. Warren Ellis is um I feel like folks are either a diehard fan and have read everything or they're like, "Who?" So, that that's fair. I know uh, I've read oh, Warren wow. Ellis stuff just, yep. you know, not all foreign Ellis stuff. No, I'm in I'm in the same boat because like uh, I joked about earlier, Injection is another story that just kind of trailed off and he didn't finish. And I haven't had a chance to read that, but I've been told it's very good. Um, so it's just one of those things. He's got that. I always say it's like government sci-fi thriller just seems to be like his space and he just does it well. His wit is very sharp. Um, not for the kiddies. Um, that's for sure. But that's all I got from my news feed. Is there anything that uh, really jumped out at you recently? I think we need to address Robert Pattinson and Batman. Oh, sparkle fingers. Um, I think sparkle everything. Um, <laughs> so for here's the deal. Uh, you can you can uh, go back on the pull list podcast one or two issues and not issues but uh, episodes and listen that when the rumors first began. I begged all of the powers in the universe not to let this happen, but <laughs> not, but not for the reason you probably think. I actually think Robert Pattinson will be a fine Batman. Um, I I don't have beef with that. Um, his dramatic roles that he's done in other things, shiny, whatever. I'm okay with that. I think I think he can pull off Batman. I think it's within his range. Um, it's growing on me. It's growing um, on me. I think that's fair. The only there are two factors that. I don't. I didn't want him cast for. First off, the memes, the <laughs> the general response, and, the general response the, of the universe, oh man, man. Um, which has been pretty great. I'm not gonna lie. No, but it's listen, homie. It's hard to be a DC fan of movies and without and like carry your head high. I mean, it's just one of these things of like, yeah, we've made a few good ones. But our track record is not phenomenal, and you're not helping by casting Twilight Guy as the Dark Knight. Um, it's just not. Now, here's the thing. I'm excited for what Matt Reeves is bringing as far as the story, and sure. that it's going yeah. to be a detective picture, and you know that it's going to have, because we really haven't seen a detective version of Batman on screen, or at least in live action. We've seen, seen plenty of animated versions, but, yep. you know, I've... I'm excited about what Matt Reeves is going to do, but dude, I just didn't, I didn't want it to happen just for the political backlash. That's, that's the main thing. Cause it's hard to be a DC fan cinematically. Um, it's like being a Marvel fan in comics. Um, and Ooh. that's just, just kidding guys. I love you all. Uh, <laughs> we, we love, we love all of you. We love all everyone. Um, all pages matter. Um, and I am in the place where, though, the other negative, the other thing I'm super concerned about is there have previously been rumors, 
Before I heard about Pattinson, there were previously rumors that Kristen Stewart was gunning for Catwoman. Yeah, no, you, if you do the two side by side, you're just asking for anything that follows it. And I'm not sorry for that comment. <laughs> Some things just shouldn't be. No, and um, that's the thing. If you if you put Robert Pattinson as Batman, fine. If you put Kristen Stewart as Catwoman against Robert Pattinson's Batman, you're spitting in our collective faces. And Ooh, you are sure. just you're just not being kind humans. I mean, that that would have been like casting Sandra Bullock as Trinity in Matrix. Um, that's just uh, don't don't do it. Don't. So please, I, I deal with I can't change the whole Robert Pattinson Batman thing. But please, for the love of God, for the love of <laughs> comics, for the love of cinema, for the love of the future of geek culture, don't cast Kristen Stewart as Catwoman. You will single-handedly undo every bit of forward motion Stan Lee created for 20 years. So please, don't. I, I, I wasn't sure what Hector Unhinged looked like, but just in case the universe was curious, it's, it's Richard... Pattinson and Kristen Stewart in a Batman film together. You can, you can write that date and time down as well. <laughs> wow. It Take a couple deep breaths. Breathe in. Breathe out. It's going to be okay. It's going to be mm. okay. If we keep telling ourselves that, it's going to be okay. But yeah, I mean, all the memes and jokes aside, I think you're, I think you're ultimately right. I mean, I, I laughed and I said everything needs more glitter when I heard just the same, but it's true. He does have a ton of recent drama movies that are really solid. And you know what? He's just getting stuck with the label of where his glorious film career potentially could have died years ago. And he found a way to resurrect himself from that. So good on him. I'm like, if Chris Evans, if Chris Evans can go from uh, not another teen movie (laughs) to being Captain America, give us a freaking chance. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right you be to becoming america's what oh never mind sorry something different um <laughs> but <laughs> doesn't that mean he technically came for full circle if you look at it that way he, it really Maybe. does yeah yeah well well i mean that's what's going on in comics uh there's there's probably plenty more but we definitely wanted to get along with the show and get to the polls for this week because like we said, there's a lot of cool stuff going on in Marvel, and we'll talk a bit about that as well. But the DC universe in the last two weeks is like starting to rip at the seams, and this whole rebirth thing is really kind of coming to this culmination. So we want to spend some time talking about the major books that um, actually the finally way, came out. <laughs> the rip at the seams things is an intentional writing thing, not that they're just falling <laughs> apart. Like they're oh, yeah, uh, yeah, they're intentionally unraveling their world as a story device, not that you know yeah no it's just collapsed yeah it's it's it it's kind of mind-blowing that they said a bunch of stuff is going to be important in the books that came out with the end of heroes in crisis doomsday clock 10 finally coming out um leviathan rising finally coming together and i was like i don't want an event book this summer and i picked up that and i went darn it uh, take my money um but i think I'll, I'll, they can take my money as long as it gets cheaper yeah <laughs> Yes, we will definitely get to that in just a moment because, yeah, Uh, I think I'm going to knock out some of uh, my quick reads and then we can spend our time kind of camping out on those couple books that were really important this weekend. Just like always, I'm well, not like always. I'm starting with a Marvel book. Um, Hooray, but it's Daredevil. And if you haven't been reading Daredevil because I've literally been telling you to read it since we started this show, 
I don't know what I can do for you. But Chip Zdarsky is just on fire with this run and daredevil six came out this week and it's just amazing he's managed to find a new difficulty for daredevil to face um i don't really want to get into the we might have talked about the spoiler i forget but you need to read the first run and one through five should be out in trade or is coming very very well soon. about what he did just came out yes yeah you talked about that way yeah, early. okay so yeah that's what i thought so the big struggle for Derek devil and spoiler alert um he, he kills somebody in, in the act of doing his work and he's finally a lot of that first arc is him dealing with that and he finally went too far and how does he balance that with who he is as a lawyer but also just as a person that doesn't believe in that that daredevil is very capable of kicking some butt um but typically does not kill people and so Sadarsky's really been diving into the discussion of what that mentally looks like for Matt Murdock, and it has been fascinating. So again, if you're not reading it, you you should be reading it because it's been super fun. And I just noticed um, because new arc, they did bring in new art and Ramita Jr. is doing some of the art right now. And I know some folks have love hate with um, Ramita Jr.'s work, but I love seeing him on Daredevil. Um, so it's been pretty great. Um, and you said you just caught up on Daredevil. So am I telling any lies? Is like No, I mean, I've, yeah. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I uh, you know, for y'all that you know me outside of just this podcast i recently had surgery so i had a lot of recovery time where i had to actually be still for a week or two and um which is not my life so i caught up on a lot of comics and uh so i got into the daredevil run and ran through it and i gotta say i've really enjoyed it but one of the things i actually enjoyed is that stuff actually happens um and that is not always the case um Stuff actually happens where life change occurs, and in the matter of the six issues I've read, um, a story has transpired. Now, that's the thing. I'm not saying that the other runs have been bad, but they've used six issues to just set up one step forward. In these yep. issues, in these six issues, story has moved along at a very good pace. And, um, and to the point that you've got also, I actually really enjoyed the interaction between, uh, daredevil and the the cop that's gunning for him um yep. I, I really enjoyed that um i enjoyed spider-man's interaction i just thought there was a lot of solid stuff um of daredevil's friends showing up and actually being there for him i mean there's just a lot of good stuff with that and um you know always the punisher craziness um but yeah i'll say that the fact that daredevil didn't realize what was on his shirt that made me happy. Um, that was just, that was great. And also, I'm going to spoil this because I'm sorry. We have to talk about it. My favorite quote from the entire run so far is, you might think that you're a demon, but I'm a devil. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what? Yeah. And the theological content of like the first issue was really yep. solid for me, too. Um, so, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that. And, you know, while we're on polls, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. Um, I do want to give a shout out, though. Jonathan Reedy, I believe, unless I'm mm-hmm. totally wrong, had told us to read uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six. Yes. Um, and I did. And I'll Yay. say this. Um, it was a little like within the first panel or two, like literally the first page. I knew where this was going, but I it still was a lot. Um, 
I'll say this. If you're a Spider-Man fan, and this is what Jonathan told us, and it's why I read it. If you're remotely a Spider-Man fan, or you're a human being with a heart, um, you should pick up Friendly mm-hmm. Neighborhood Spider-Man number six, because it will make you with all the feels. Um, Aww. It's a really solid Spider-Man story, and I can't tell you anything more than that without spoiling the pitch and the context of it. But if you are a parent, or if you are just a human who has feelings, or you remotely like Spider-Man, uh, Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man number six, it's it's a beautiful and painful and great story to read. So how about that? Yes. So we kind of did that out of order, but that's the benefit of our community. And thanks uh, for pointing us in that direction that, yeah, for those of you that are already in the know and those of you that aren't, you can search for Love Thy Nerd Community on Facebook. Join our community. And every Wednesday we talk about the books that we're pulling and we talk to you guys to find out what we're not pulling. And if you tell us something cool and we think it's cool, we're going to do what we just did and say, hey, on the show, that. That's a really good thing, and you should read that. And now all of you know you should read your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man number six for all of the feels. And that's just part of what we do here at Love Thy Nerd and the Pull List podcast, and that's just awesome. So thanks for hitting us with that recommendation, and thanks, Hector, for reminding us. I think the only two little pieces that I also pulled this week, because and I definitely want to get the shout-out out there, is... Uh, Kevin Eastman and um, Ben Bishop and their individual self-printing project, Drawing Blood, um, was kickstarted a while back, but finally hit regular comic book stores. So you can solicit it and pull it and subscribe it. Uh, Drawing Blood number one was out this week. And along with it, a book that is based on kind of what's going on, the radically rearranged Ronin Ragdolls uh, number one also came out. Just look for it. Drawing Blood is super fun. It's I don't even know how to describe it, but it's Kevin Eastman getting back to his roots of self-publishing. It's published under their own studio name and everything. Uh, ben did all the pages on Drawing Blood, and Kevin did some work as well. That there's just it's a neat thing for Turtle fans and for folks that are looking and seeing what Kevin Eastman is up to nowadays. And Ben's just an awesome up-and-coming guy, and I'm unapologetic in belonging to both of their fan clubs. Maybe I should have said that first. Um, but, you know, check those books out. They're pretty cool. I enjoy them. Um, um, the radically will... re- Yeah? Good, good, uh, good. I was going to say the Radically Rearranged Ronin Ragdolls, though, is just wonderful because it's ragdolls as in the cat. So they're Ronin cats, four of them, instead of turtles. You see what's going on there? Picking up what yeah, I'm putting yeah. down? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so check it out. It's fun. It's, it's so, good stuff. Like I said, I was laid up like you know physically and i saw that these books were coming out and so i was going to you know be the douche of the comic book establishment and buy my comics digitally since i couldn't physically get to a comic book shop and i was greatly disappointed that i can't get either of kevin's books digitally at all self-published baby yeah that made me sad um and (laughs) so like i'm actually going to you know i've got my consultation tomorrow tell me i'm good to go and i'm gonna go track these down but yeah and but then no actually ended up at a local comic book shop that didn't have them so i'm like (gasps) so yeah it's just i actually went to the store specifically to get it because i couldn't get it digitally and then i still didn't get it but whatever (laughs) (laughs) well kevin at least is appreciative of us uh 
you know, we'll kind of hit that here in a little bit, but it's a good time to hit it is we, I caught up with Kevin at Phoenix and thanked him for being on the show earlier and was asking him how he felt about this new book coming out and he was excited. So it's, it's all good. Um, and that's just the family environment that we try to have here at the Polis podcast. That's it. But yeah, Hector, how about you tell us a little bit more of what you pulled or we can finally get into the heavy hitters of Heroes in Crisis 9 and Doomsday Clock 10. Um, the other one I pulled, uh, okay, so on a, just a quick note, um, what was it, uh, Bat- Batman Last Night on Earth? It's nice to have Snyder and Capullo together again. I'll say that. Yeah, we Beyond definitely that, need to spend some time on that book, but wow. Okay, yeah, um, so I'll just say that, and you know, we can hit that after the other one, but it was bananas, just saying that. Um, right? But then but then my favorite read, honestly, dude, my favorite read during my uh, little, you know, encampment, I used DC Universe and read um, Batman and Robin Eternal, the entire run, which was 26 issues. And it actually featured uh, James Tinian, which is not always my favorite writer. Um, but man, it was a solid book. Like from beginning to end, 26 issues, it was a ridiculously solid book. And I enjoyed reading it. Um, it is one of the first books I've seen to really focus on the full Bat family. Um, it's an older book. This was still a New 52 era, yep. I believe. Um but this was when uh, Gordon was in Bunny Suit Batman and Bruce Wayne was alive but didn't have his memory. Um, oh, right. So, yeah, that's that's towards the end. That's uh, Super Heavy. Yeah, that's that's um, the end. Was the main end. line. Yeah, yeah. Super Heavy was main line. So that's the end of the New 52. But, man, you've got uh, – you have a buddy book with Tim Drake, Dick Grayson, Jason Todd, um, Batgirl, spoiler – and um duke and the entire we are robin squad working together um and what i loved about this book is this um was the canonization of a modern version of cassandra kane um if you're familiar with the bat books now and in recent months and years and even in featured as in batman and the outsiders and batman or detective comics 1000 orphan being uh, one of the primary characters. This is the introduction of modern age Cassandra Kane as Orphan. Um, if you're familiar, Cassandra Kane became Batgirl during No Man's Land, um, the Batman book from like 20 years ago. Um, but that involved her becoming Batgirl and Oracle and everything with Barbara Gordon. And it's hard to mesh that story when Barbara Gordon's still kicking around. Um, mm-hmm. Yep. So they this was a chance to reintroduce. Cassandra Kane in a very true to character format, but put her in the same timeline as Damian Wayne and everything else and make it mesh well together. And so I have to say super solid book. Um, but the, the relationship dynamic between, uh, Dick and Damian and Jason and everybody else was just really on point. So if you're a fan of the bat family backtrack and pick up, uh, Batman eternal, the whole thing, 26 issues. Have fun with it. Oh, and some really great Azrael. This was also the modern incorporation of Azrael. Um, so this basically, in a lot of ways, this book was bringing back Nightfall and uh, No Man's Land, but in a really cool way. Nice. 
I don't remember actually getting to that series, and now, per the usual, you've just added to my pile of things that I need to read. But you have DC um, Universe, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I can pick it up. I'm all about that. Um, so, yeah. So we probably don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but let's get to the end of Heroes in Crisis. So what was kind of your takeaway at the end of what ended up being a fairly interesting, but I have to use the word convoluted ending? <laughs> It definitely had some some uh some twisties, you know, as like Detective Pikachu. This is very twisty, um, <laughs> but I'll say this: uh, I don't regret Heroes in Crisis as a whole arc. No. Looking back at it, I don't regret it, um, and I don't say this is a negative term. It had a very after school special feel by the end of it. Yes, no, when it finally kind of doubled down on what we were told the series was going to be about, that this is a PTSD heroes dealing with like the crazy stuff that they deal with. Um, It still had that moment in the end of, Hey, Hey guy, um, you're, you're jacked up. We're all jacked up and we're jacked up together. And And, yeah, but it, it was a weird ending, but it still made sense to me. I agree. Bottom line, this, the whole book boils down to saying, communicate with other people. Find people you can share your struggles with and build a sense of community and find people that you're not carrying your burdens alone. And if you think you're unforgivable, you're not. So I really got I'm really down with the whole message of it. And what I'm really looking forward to is when I get a minute, I'm going to read all nine sequentially back to back and just read it. Um, Yeah, the ending was the ending was a bit wax sauce. But now I'm actually really interested in picking up some of the main titles to see what it reflects after that right um because as you noticed um flash batman and green arrow were the only books that really focused on the aftermath well red hood obviously but those are the only Mm -hmm. books that were really affected i'm really interested to see what this looks like now that now we know what we know um i did feel a little jaded that some people got to live that were air quotes dead and um right that some people stayed dead i was like oh it's like why do we have this person back and not that one um that that was a little weird but they did it to tell like that one moment to which i'm sure a ton of people probably enjoyed um but at the same time i i'm kind of with you that i was like well that that was a real easy trick of writing there and everybody gets their feel good but the the other dudes are still dead (laughs) yeah and yeah, so there was that. So, but bottom line, I don't regret Heroes in Crisis. I think it was well done, but you have to go into it with the mentality of this is a book about emotions and feelings and stress and anxiety and the the calling out that we have to deal with these things and not bottle it up. Yep. It's not a punch the stuff in the face um DC typical ending and situation and also I think it kind of harkens back to what you were saying is this is just another one of those things people either really love Tom King for this type of thing or they sit there and kind of go and eh, this just kind of isn't my thing and that that's okay there's plenty of comics for everybody and this story I think hit a very specific spot and so yeah I was pretty happy with it by the end as well there's still implications I agree I think we need to pay attention and see where we see the results of that And I think that's equally true in Doomsday Clock number 10 to make that little transition because they kind of said they were trying to line some of these pieces up on purpose, which reading the two side by side made me go, what? But I think the main thing that DC was trying to tell us is 
it's because both of them do have ripple effects throughout the entire DC universe. So I'm not even really sure where to begin on Doomsday Clock number 10. So I think I'm going to defer. It took long enough. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, guess what? Um, We're actually talking about Doomsday Clock number 10 right now. And Um, we're not announcing that it's delayed. Nope. Um, now 11 and 12, we may never see, but that's, that's an entirely different story, but we finally got 10 and holy crap. (laughs) Um, Dr. Manhattan is a stupid, powerful being is what Doomsday Clock is in the process of reminding us of. And no joke, what Dr. Manhattan's impact on the DC universe is now legitimately the center of all conversation. And... I don't think we should probably dig too deep into this and let people catch up because, yeah, um, I I am happy with the wait now at this point, now seeing the pieces. But the last two books in the Doomsday Clock arc are going to be utterly insane if this was a peek at where the rest of the world is going. Yeah, I mean, I, I love how, like, there, there was no subtlety here. No. Nope. Uh, Doomsday, <laughs> uh, now... Now, here's the thing. You have to look at this like a Watchmen book. Because if you look at this like a standard DC Rebirth, New 52, any standard era DC book, it's going to feel like there is a ton of filler with the backstory stuff. Um, And you can't approach it that way. You have to approach Doomsday Clock like you're reading Watchmen. When you're reading Watchmen, you actually have to read all the backstories and the panels and the extra things to get the heart of what you're actually doing all you know there's a lot of stuff in here reminiscent to the pirate story yep and yes well they finally connected the dots on we'll give you this piece because this is important is early on they had the movie that was playing on the television and you were getting the clips of it that this was again this was their medium for telling what was the tales of the black freighter from the original and now that they tied that all the way back like I knew it was going somewhere because it was set up as that trope for this particular thing. But yeah. yes, the details definitely matter. But the whole the whole sales pitch that, you know, New 52 and Rebirth and all those things are directly tied to this. Yeah, you get all your confirmation and understanding of that in one issue. So yep. and I like I was sitting there having to like as the jumping around occurred. There was a lot of jumping, <laughs> um, lining up dates in my mind. And I was like, there's so much here. Um, and what they're setting up, I, I'm looking really forward to how this ends at this point. So if we haven't convinced you to read this book yet, um, no, seriously, don't, don't wait. Pick this up, because if you enjoy anything about DC, I think Jeff Johns is potentially leaning us in towards this is going to be interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a significant event. And I think potentially the way I'm reading it now, I might even say they've been underselling where this is going, um, because I think there's there's a punch at the end of this that is significant and is going to be interesting to people that really enjoy the DC universe. And it's longstanding sections of characters from way back, even that there's there's so many threads being pulled in this book that it's. It's exciting for comics, but I think it's also just exciting in the way they're telling the story. It's just good. So those are all the wonderful polls that we've had over the last couple of weeks. And as we mentioned, we had kind of one of our uh, listener recommendations in the middle of there. But don't forget, you can take a look at us at Love Thy Nerd 
community on Facebook and join us every Wednesday as we talk about the things that we pull and you might get to be mentioned here and we get to hear all the cool things that you're reading just like you see and hear all the cool things that we're reading. But Hector, with some of our time left, I think we should probably catch some folks up on some of the things that have been going on in our lives as we've been kind of, um, you've been, you know, carrying around a gallbladder that doesn't like you anymore and you got rid of him. Um, And It was a bit rocky. It was a bit rocky. If you rate and review, rate and review somebody else's show when you think of that pun. Um, but no. So for for me, I was off in Fe- the lovely city of Phoenix, Arizona, um, where normally it is 100 degrees every day at this time of year. But it was a nice balmy 80 and wonderful the entire time that myself and the rest of the Love Thy Nerd team was on the ground for Phoenix Fan Fusion, which is just this massive pop culture show. Was a Comic-Con, changed their name. They were one of the shows that San Diego was like, cool, don't do that thing anymore. And they're like, lame. So we're going to call it Fan Fusion. And they did. But it was an amazing four days of just about everything pop culture you could possibly imagine. Um, it was great to be able to bring a small team of us, uh, to Phoenix to just literally love on all of our wonderful nerdy neighbors. Cause that's ultimately what we're really all about with love. Thy nerd is sharing just the joy of our thing with one another and the reality that, you know, Jesus loves all these nerds too. And it was really an eye-opening experience for me to be able to go on a trip like this with other like-minded folks and just be able to hang out with other nerdy people and tell them who we are and what we're doing. And it was fun, man. I, I have no other way to say it is it really encouraged me to get together with all the other wonderful people, folks that listen how to did, us here on the poll list. And yeah, what? Give me a how question. Did it, Hit me. How did, how did it compare to uh, running a con? Oh man. You know, going to cons are way better than running them. <laughs> how, how many, me. how many cons did you run? Three. Um, and that basically meant as soon as one was over, you're already planning for the next one. And then you kind of just don't three. Sleep. Are you sure? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, it felt like more. Right. But it was didn't you just do like th- two Novembers and a March and a February. And oh, man, well, I thought was- that was yeah, that was because of our storms that we did technically two Greensboro's in one year. OK, um, OK. Because it got rescheduled, which was just bananas. But yes, it's technically three. No more was needed. Um, but yeah, um, it's really fun to be able to just be like, I don't have to set up anything. I can leave when the exhibit hall closes. Um, that was great. But I do have to say one of the best parts about it was this is one of the first times I got to go on the road and run into my convention family, which we've talked about before here on the show, that, you know, Hector and I enjoy this reality that when we go to a show, we get to catch up with the people we don't get to see every day. And so this was the first time I was seeing my con family in the wild at a show I didn't put on. And it was great and really reaffirming for me that, you know, I made the change of leaving the comic book store for full-time ministry, that I ran into a lot of my friends who are not believers, and they were like, that's really good, dude. We think that makes a lot of sense in your life. And it it, it really kind of hit me in the feels to have folks that don't necessarily believe what I believe, but are really supportive of what I'm doing. And 
So it was fun to be able to catch up with my con family, tell them, you know, what we're about, what we're doing. And a lot of folks thought that was really cool. And on top of that, um, I got to play a ton of board games on top of being a comic book nerd because they had this entire gaming area. And I'll just get the plug here. You can flip over to free play um, podcast. I think they either just did or they're just about to do their recap of the event because we had tons of great interactions there, made tons of new friends, um, people that are throwing new cons that like at the end of the weekend, we're like, you guys should come and basically like help us do our thing. So for those people that have listened to us in the past or are interested in what Love Thy Nerd does, it works. What we do works and it's really amazing. And I know Hector has had similar experiences of, man, it's just as easy as being able to love on other people and show them that we care about the same things and just be able to enjoy in community together. We can be on totally different ends of the spectrum. But it's amazing what happens when you get a ton of comic book nerds together and just actually enjoy the thing instead of picking life apart in the most complicated ways. And I think that's just great and has been really beneficial. So if folks are interested in actually learning more about what we do at Love Thy Nerd, you know, check out the website, lovethynerd.com. You can go to, I believe it's the Reach tab, and you'll see some of the other shows that we go to and things that we do. Click on About, actually learn about the mission. But, I mean, I didn't necessarily want to turn this into an advertisement, but it's not an advertisement. It's my personal experience, and I believe oh, no, in I mean, it, and that's, we, that's why well, we do the things that we do, right? I mean, Chris and I aren't employees of love thy nerd or anything like that nope we, we do this podcast because in our respective nerd culture worlds we love jesus and we love these nerdy things and we believe in what love thy nerd is doing so we we get True. involved yeah because it's effective and it matters so there you go so, so plug. It, <laughs> yeah no absolutely and check it out it's worth checking out and seeing kind of what we do and how we're probably different than some folks you've probably run into on the road. But I want to give just enough time also for Hector to talk about the cool things that he does on his end of the universe, because while I was out playing and he was going under the knife and all that good stuff, just before then, book six of Faith and Fandom came out. So you you should tell the people what you do. I know we've probably talked about it like really early on, but we get to celebrate book six of all of your hard nerdy work coming out. So, so tell Which us about funny, the journey that was book six. So funny story. I actually published book six in the hospital. Um, yeah. um, when, uh, so, you know, short version, I, I write a book series of nerdy devotionals, um, on all sorts of content, um, started it in 2013. Um, we've put six full books out and a kid's edition. Um, but I like, like Chris went with, you know, like you went to Phoenix fan fusion and set up and did love thy nerd stuff. I go to like 28 comic cons a year in Southeast in the Southeast and, uh, set up my booth and sell devotionals and t-shirts and, uh, death star candles and stuff like that. But basically I do, I set up as an artist so that I have a credible means to actually just sit around and talk to people about Jesus and love on them for a weekend without being a creeper. Um, so, you know, that's my goal. That's my heart in doing it is, uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, you guys, when you went to, you know, Phoenix fan fusion and stuff, you have a team of people that go with you and do this stuff. And that's an awesome right. dynamic to be able to do it. For me, a lot of times I'm going solo. And so it's a lot easier to set up as an artist, but, um, 
So I, I've been putting out these books, started it in 2013, and I've had a blast doing it. But uh, in general, uh, I was in the editing process of book six when um, I thought I was having a heart attack um, because a gallstone had gotten into a bile duct somewhere in there. And that, you know, my that, it was it, that sounds was, like science and complicated things, but it yeah. doesn't sound good. No, but basically, uh, my pancreas was trying to explode. And, um, and, uh, so I thought I was having a heart attack. So I sent my editor a text and he was the only person I texted on the way to the hospital. And I'm like, here's the login for the publisher. Here's my password. If uh, something happens, publish the book. Um, (laughs) and so that's actually in, he put an editor's note in the book about that. But, um, Faith of Aina book six, it's, uh, 18 devotionals on, Video games, superheroes, comic books, the whole deal. Um, specifically on the comic book culture, um, there's a devotional on Into the Spider-Verse. Uh, there's a devotional on uh, Titans from DC Universe. Uh, Swamp Thing from DC Universe. There's a whole section on Red Hood. Um, the Batman 53 issue, which we've covered here. on I think it's our first podcast. That was our pilot, yep. Yeah, so there's a devotional on that. Um, there's a devotional on Umbrella Academy. There's one on Stan Lee. Uh, one on Captain Marvel, Daredevil, Shazam. Wow, this is a very comic-heavy book. I didn't realize this. Um, <laughs> Daredevil, the Shazam movie, um, Scott Pilgrim, and um, Avengers Endgame. So there, there's a lot of comic book content. And wow, this is... Yeah, but there's also, you know, for non-comic people, there's Red Dead Redemption, Greatest Showman, uh, Dragon Ball Z... Bird Box, because, you know, I just felt like doing one on Bird Box for no good reason. Um, Doctor Who and some other stuff like that. But it's it's not saying that these things are filled with spiritual content necessarily on their own, but it's drawing parallels to the things I see. And I've had a blast doing these things. And um, they've given me a really cool platform. Um, and to be able to minister to some people in the geek nerd world with those. And, you know, uh, it's really cool. Um, Book 6 actually... Uh, kicked off within its first day of being a bestseller. Um, boom, for, boom. So, um, so with one day, you know, out the gate, we were it was a bestseller. Um, I really didn't pay attention to it after that because I was in the hospital and I needed to, you know, pay attention to not dying. Um, yeah, that's important. Yeah. So there's that. But it's it's been a good. And Chris, you did the forward in this, right? Yeah, um, occasionally you actually let me do things, and occasionally I get them to you on time so that they can be published. I was about to say, okay, I mean, it's like, dude, I, you've done something on what the last three books? Yes, you were at the uh, you were on the back of five, no, uh, back wait. of four, chapter and five, forward and six. Yeah, and obviously you would have had more opportunities if you know you hadn't actually been living adult life and doing things. Um, Adulting is so overrated. If that hasn't been a message from Hector and I, I, we're sorry that we've underserved their community in reminding you that adulting is a thing and bills do come every day. But wow, in, in, that was in a general, downer. right? Way, way to ruin everything. Um, but in general, um, the books are available on Amazon. They're available on Kindle. They're available at Comic Cons. And uh, if you want your local comic book shop to carry them uh just tell them to holler at me because i work with that and I, there are some libraries that carry them and they're like second and charles and some other places but uh the books are in no order so it really is jump around to whatever has more stuff you actually like in it and um book one is about to officially disappear forever um Ooh. 
I, I've taken it off the table for uh, Comic-Cons, and my last copy of book one is going to Summer Glau at um, GalaxyCon, because I promised her a copy the last time I saw her, So, um, because there's a chapter on River Tamen there, so my last copy of book one is going to Summer Glau. Um, but I've had a blast nice. doing these, and they've they've been a really cool experience, man. Um, there was a camp in Orlando, Florida last summer that did their entire summer camp based on the book series. And there's been some churches that have developed small group curriculum and stuff like that. So it's been really fun. I'm I'm very happy and proud of book six, and um, you know I've gotten a lot of good feedback from it so far. But uh, just I'm grateful for that, and you know grateful for the time to talk about it too. So. Yeah, cool beans. <laughs> no, absolutely. And so for all of you, it'll be in the show notes if you're interested in checking out the wonderful publication that is Faith and Fanda book number six. So you can kind of get an idea of, you know, what what Hector what comes out of Hector's mind in the written form. You'll find out that it's not all that different than the two of us talking on a biweekly basis. But we're just Super excited to be back in the saddle again. I I apologize for us kind of uh, falling off the wagon there for a little bit. But as Hector said, life kind of uh, does that thing. Adulting happens. But we still love comics like crazy mad. And we're working on potentially bringing some more interviews on your way as well. Because like we said, you know, we've really enjoyed being able to talk to some of our guests. And we've had huge impact from those as well. Like, like I said, I was able to catch up with Kevin at uh, Phoenix Fan Fusion, and he was just ecstatic of the work that we're doing and being able to talk about comics and to be able to talk community in such a positive way. And that's that just really warms my heart to know that even the people that we're interviewing are that they, they see something in what we're doing and that's just awesome. So sorry we kind of fell off there for a little bit, but we're we're back in. We're plugged in. Look forward to the rest of the summer, and hopefully we'll be bringing you lots more cool interviews here in the not-too-distant future. But that's going to do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode 16 is in the can, and it's now in your ears. But we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcast and fandom with two other amazing podcasts that are part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Humans of Gaming with Drew and Chris does interviews with game designers, producers, and creators, and they really get into the heart of why those folks do those things. And then we have Bubba, Matt, and Kate over at the Free Play Podcast that covers, well, just about everything else that you could possibly even remotely think is nerdy. Those folks are amazing, and Kate's been doing a great job, you know, wrangling the cats over there. She's been producing uh, stuff, so we give Kate a huge shout-out because... Matt and Bubba can be a handful. So thanks, Kate, for doing all that hard work over there. But it's super fun. You should check it out. There's even more crazy stuff, but go ahead and just check out everything on lovethynerd.com because we've got articles, we've got previews on stuff, and even just all of our content is there. And you can also see about our trips and what we do when we go on those trips as well. So Thanks for listening. Thanks for having us here. Um, we love being part of Love Thy Nerd and Hector with Faith and Fandom. That We just want to thank all of you for, well, being your primary source of just about all things comic booky and generally nerdy on a near-weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show on all your podcasting apps of choice. You can check us out on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so many more. If you can't find us, let us know at either the Pull List Podcast at lovethynerd.com 
or look us up at thepolispodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Hector, you know what that means. Kids, read more comics. You've been listening to The Polis Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai, part of the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. Be sure to rate and review the show and share on all the social media. The game of The master of epic duel. I can feel your